Hi again, you're listening to Little Russia, the podcast about Russian literature. I was planning to dedicate the second episode of the podcast to stories by Anton Chekhov that everyone must read. So I asked my Facebook friends to identify the stories by Chekhov which they consider must-reads. I ended up having a list of 26 stories. Obviously, it would be boring to give a brief review of the list during one episode. That's why I decided to divide the list into several parts and make different episodes on Chekhov. As luck would have it, the list includes three stories which are known as the Little Trilogy. It's a perfect reason to speak on the whole trilogy in this episode. So, Little Trilogy includes the following stories. The Man in the Case, Gooseberries and About Love. Primarily. Chekhov wanted to write a big cycle of stories united by the same narrators and the same listeners. It's a classic device when an author puts together several people to make them tell each other stories. Take Decameron, for instance. I'll tell you a bit later why Chekhov needed this device. It turned out that Chekhov didn't finish the cycle and stop at three stories. He wrote in a letter to his brother that he was disappointed by the design. I don't want to write. I write as if I were eating land and fair in the sixth week of land. Thus, he didn't call it a trilogy himself. The name The Little Trilogy was given to the stories later by critics. But let's get to the point. How did the author unite the stories? Three hunting enthusiasts tell one story each. The first one is told by Burkin, who is a gymnasium teacher. It's the man in the case. The protagonist of the story is Burkin's colleague Belikov. He is a teacher of ancient Greek language. He is described as totally buttoned-up person. All his belongings have their own cases. His umbrella, watch, pocket knife. Regardless of the weather, he wears a cotton coat zipped up to the very chin, so he himself looks like he's locked in the case. Belikov is obsessed with the idea of obeying every rule he knows. He often thinks of the consequences any action could have. To not sin, he doesn't eat meat while fasting. But to not be called a prude, he eats fish. There is nothing he is not scared of. His favorite phrase is, one can never tell what harm might come from it. Belikov is not only scared, but he scares his students, his colleagues and everyone who knows him. Townspeople never have home performances, because Belikov might frown upon them. No one eats meat during fasting when he's around, no one plays cards, etc. One day, a new teacher, Mr. Kavalenka, comes to the gymnasium. He's from Ukraine. He arrives with his unmarried, 30 years old sister Varenka. Varenka's values are totally opposed to those of Belikov's. She's full of life and fun. The women of the town suddenly decide to arrange Varenka's and Belikov's marriage. They do it because of boredom. Belikov likes Varenka, and he agrees that every man should get married, so it's one more rule for him to obey. Varenka doesn't object the idea too. We can't say that she likes him, but being an unmarried 30 years old woman in 19th century was rather hard. But the arrangement doesn't work out. Once Belikov sees Kavalenka and Varenka riding bikes, he's 
overwhelmed by this. He strongly believed that teachers and women should not ride bikes. He comes to Kavalenka's place and starts telling him that the ride is scandalous. Kavalenka can't stand this and he pushes Belikov down the staircase. Here comes Varenka. She sees him on the floor and laughs. Belikov gets up goes to his place, lies in bed and remains there for months. Then he dies. He just couldn't survive after something went wrong. There is a long tradition of considering Belikov satirical for the fear of living. Bolsheviks thought of him as a satire for all the pre-coup middle class. Lenin called Tsarist officials man in cases. Today we use the term man in case to describe a conservative introvert, a person who is close to the world. There is even a word for this state, futlarnost. It can be translated as caseness. Caseness is to some extent a topic for all the little trilogy. Chekhov showed us different kinds of them. The next story is Gooseberries. It's told by Ivan Ivanovich, the veterinarian, and it's about his brother Nikolai Ivanovich Chimsha Kimalaisky. Nikolai Ivanovich was an official in St. Petersburg. He hated his job and he dreamed of obtaining a manor house. This dream included bushes of gooseberries. To make his dream come true, he married a rich old widow. Soon she died because of his bad attitude. He received an inheritance and bought a manor house. Now Nikolai Ivanovich lives in the country, he's no longer an official, he's a landowner, he has his gooseberries and he's happy despite the fact that gooseberries are sour. But his brother, the narrator, is depressed when visiting him. He claims it's a waste of life, that there is so much suffering in the world and so being happy by eating gooseberries is a dishonor. He says that there should be a man with a little hammer by the door of every happy person. This man would knock and remind a happy person about troubles no one can avoid. This story is significant because it anticipates the criticism of happiness that later was developed by various philosophers from Nikolai Berdyaev to Slavoj Žižek. On the other hand, the story is against the idea of simple living which is often associated with Tolstoy. The narrator claimed that living cities with their intellectual and political struggles for the country is not a real life. It's monasticism but without sainthood. In the last story about love, the narrator and the protagonist coincide. It's Alyokhin. He's an educated man, but when he inherits a manor after his father, he dedicates himself to hard agricultural work in order to pay out his father's debts. He hates the work at the manor, but he can't quit. Accidentally, he becomes a local justice of peace. This means that sometimes he has to go to court and dismiss cases. There, in court, he meets Dmitry Luganovich. They become pals. Alokhin starts visiting Luganovich and soon he falls in love with his wife Anna. He knows it's mutual, but he doesn't dare to talk to her. He thinks his life is too insignificant to drag this woman into it. She becomes irritated with him because she can't stand his inactivity. In the end, Anna and her husband leave and there is a scene between Alokhin and Anna on the railroad when they kiss and both regret they didn't dare to change their lives. This story 
story shows us another form of caseness, the attachment to lower things and the disability to chase something above it. Alokhin hates his manner, but he keeps running it. He finds love, but he can't chase it. Also, I believe that this story influenced a Richard Linklater movie Before Sunset, which itself is a part of a trilogy. The story of two people who are married to other people, fall in love with each other and hesitate to leave their spouses is given in a similar way. By the way, the actor Ethan Hawke had done Chekhov on stage several times, so read, watch and compare. Now. We can see the differences and the similarities between all three stories. The characters in the stories get themselves into their own cases. They all refuse real and complete lies, but the reasons are different. For Belkov it's fear, for Nikolai Chimshagimalaisky egoism, for Lohin a sense of duty. And in the end I want to say why Chekhov needed the narrators. Of course, he could write the stories without involving the fictional storytellers, but in this case he wouldn't be able to directly state the ideas. Chekhov is too exquisite writer for a direct statement. Thus the hunting enthusiasts do it for him, and he shows us how the other two react to one statement. Mostly they are bored. These reactions reduce the pathos that could seem too naive without such entourage. Besides, from story to story, protagonists come closer to narrators. Burkin talks about his colleague, Ivan Ivanovich about his brother, and Lokin about himself. So the layer of caseness is becoming deeper and deeper. Maybe this is the reason why Chekhov stopped. He just didn't know what to do next.